Welcome to The Tech That Connects Us, a podcast dedicated to the stories of leaders in the technology industries that bring us closer together, specifically content and media, satellite and news space, connectivity and cybersecurity. Your hosts are me, John Clifton, Laurie Scott and Will Trenchard, the founders of Nuco, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm focused on these exact industries. We love being a part of them and we're excited to share these stories with you. Welcome to the Tech That Connects Us. Your hosts today are me, John Clifton, alongside Will Trenchard, co-founders of Nuco, and we're delighted to be joined today by Damien Montessui. Damien studied computer science and followed this with a role at BT before joining Microsoft at the end of the 90s. It was during this time that he began the move towards communications and finally media and entertainment, and he finished his time there in a BD role for the Microsoft TV platform and then subsequently the Xbox team. He joined Ericsson in 2013, and since then he's been firmly focused on driving revenue and new product adoption in key media and video clients across Europe. Following the Ericsson and MediaKind deal in 2019, he's now the SVP and Regional Head for Amir at MediaKind. Welcome to the show, Damien. Thank you very much, John. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. Our pleasure, our pleasure. pleasure. Um, so just to get us started, we like to, I guess, kind of go back to the beginning of of the story of how someone got into the industry. So you spent a long time with Microsoft. What led the move towards you being more content and media focused? So that's an interesting, uh, an interesting question. Um, so I have started uh, at Microsoft. It was basically my first, uh, my first job after BT. Um, I joined. I was, uh, I was a support engineer. So basically, I was a hotline engineer. And, um, and what led me to, to stay so long in Microsoft was first the, uh, the, the situation of being part of something big, of an innovative company. And uh, what takes me to the media and content industry is the, a shift in the middle of the trajectory at Microsoft after seven or eight years. I jumped into the I joined the Microsoft TV team, which became the Microsoft Media Room team at that time. And um, that team became part of the Xbox team more globally. And uh, everything started from there, I would say. So it has been an interesting journey. The, the first part of my, of my, um, of my uh, responsibilities at Microsoft were dedicated to the core business of Microsoft. I moved from um, support engineers to sales engineers and then moved to sales and business development, um, mostly driven by IT and hosting uh, type, of, uh, type of businesses. And um, the shift to media and content as part of the Xbox team and the Microsoft TV team has been quite natural because uh, I was really close to the communication sector and the telco segment at Microsoft. And uh, it, was, it was really the early stage of videos, um, IPTVs, and video applications going on to different devices. So at that time, it was uh, Canal Plus started to be on Xbox. It was about uh, defining some sort of virtual living room on new devices. And it was also the, 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 the time of the Windows Media Center, if you remember. Mm -hmm. So there was that shift at Microsoft from IT to media. 
and I took the opportunity to to go into that direction. Great. Brilliant. I love I love looking back and hearing about some of those technologies that have, have really helped to shape the industry as well. It's nice to have a reminisce. Throughout your career, Damien, who, who's been the biggest influence on your career? Do you do you have a mentor? So I would say I don't have one mentor uh, or, or maybe more specifically, I think we all have a mentor per period of uh, in our career journey. Mm. Right. Mm. So I had. Um, I have been privileged to work at, uh, at Microsoft and then at Ericsson. So I was surrounded by great leaders and managers. And uh, if I have to pick, to pick a few, I will say that my transition from, uh, from the technical sales to sales and business, business development has been uh, supported by someone called Jacques-Etienne Grandjean. He was the GM at Microsoft EME at that time. Uh, and also he was driving the communication sector for Microsoft. Uh, later in the game, I was also uh, mentored by Colin Morrison, head of uh, Media Room at uh, Microsoft EMEA. I could also mention, uh, I could also mention Frank Boueta as uh, the GM of Ericsson France, who also helped me to, to grow in this company. And, uh, and maybe the most recent one was Angel Ruiz, the ex-GM of Ericsson in the United States. Uh, very seasoned and senior leaders, and uh, and for sure those uh, the few names I have mentioned have, have helped me a, a lot, mm. and I will say that they have impacted the the trajectory of my uh, of my career. So for sure, sometimes sometimes it's about getting some advice. Sometimes it's about getting some support. Some sometimes it's about being given a chance or a promotion. Mm. But all those little things also makes the the path that we are also building for ourselves so i am very uh, i am very uh, privileged to have worked with the with those guys and those gentlemen and uh, i am really re- really happy to be here today yes well uh, some really great guys there that you that you mentioned and yes very very fortunate to to have worked with them and and now that you've progressed into you know your c- career progression and you're now in a, in a senior leadership role what do you think makes a good leader so that's an interesting question and uh, we all have our own style hmm. uh, i guess my style is uh, I don't, I, maybe i could say best of or what what i like to see in other leaders when I when I was managed by by them, and so I, I try to to lead by example. I think this is really important. I also try to be really hands-on mm-hmm. uh, because it's personally I do believe that it's very important to be close to the people, to be close to the business, to be close to the field, because it it, it keeps you aware of what the reality is, and also uh, you get a better sense of what the issues are and what you need to address. Uh, not only internally inside the company, but also uh, for the customers and for the best of the business. So leading by example, being hands-on, um, being close to the people, and also trying to to do what other leaders have done for me, which is looking after me, giving me a chance, and ensuring that the daily job is meaningful and that the team feels they are part of something and they belong to something. Yeah. I think this is the most important 
to, yeah. to get them inspired, not only by the, by the technical vision, but also being inspired by the people they are working with. I think this is very important. Yeah, it definitely, and it sounds like you've, you know, you've created a, a great environment, uh, you know, for, for your team. And I think it, particularly in these unusual times that we live in now, I think that's that's more important than than ever, isn't it, to create that sort of motivating environment, but to be really close to them as well. That's I think that's a, a really brilliant example. Um, this might be a tough question, but what achievement are you most proud of in your career to date? So. If I am a bit selfish, um, the funny part is that in 20 years, I moved from being a hotline engineer at Microsoft yeah. uh, to be joining the executive circle of Ericsson. Um, so I think, I mean, this is a strong achievement. Absolutely. Yeah. Now to take a, a more recent example and uh, being more team oriented. Mm. Uh, last in 2020, in this uh, pandemic year, the first half of the year, we have grown the business by 7% wow. in the EMEA regions. Wow. And, uh, and to be a bit cheeky here, Apple did 6%. So, <laughs> I think you're allowed to be cheeky. Yeah, with, uh, absolutely. With like yes. Yeah. So yes, I am uh, particularly proud of what we achieved last year with the team. Yes. And yes. it shows how resilient they are and... Uh, the, the good capacity we have to to collaborate and uh, and continue to be su successful even in a in a very challenging year. Absolutely, and certainly there aren't many companies that you can hold up. And certainly, I think you said Apple. I think I'm familiar with them, um, but you know there aren't that many who who, who had any growth. Uh, so that's a that's a really positive one, and, and, and rightly to be proud. So we've heard about uh, Damian's career and progression, and look back at the past. So that brings us nicely up to the present. All right. Um, so you, you touched on it uh, a bit there, uh, Damian. You know the. The current global situation means that we are all watching and consuming more content than ever. Um, but despite the obvious economic challenges, do you feel that the video market is in a, a strong position right now? Yes, I do believe we are in a, in a sweet spot, I will say. Um, we all experience the, that streaming is becoming universal. And it cross, I could even say it's cross industries. It's not only, uh, we don't, you don't see only streaming in the entertainment and media world, but you see it in the education world. You see it in the art world with theaters. And um, so it's expanding across all industries and all functions. So this is, uh, this is very interesting. And as we move into, I like to say that we are moving into the matrix because though in those days, we just need two things at home, right? One, the first one is the fridge to survive. And the other one is uh, an internet connection to survive as well in this new digital world. And we are all connected to this matrix, which um, helps us to, to work, to be educated, to socialize, uh, to be entertained on a daily basis. Uh, we are all fighting for bandwidth at home. So it's a completely new world in which video is becoming the, the premium uh, medium. Mm. And, um, and this type of interview that we are running right now uh, will have been extremely difficult to set up even a few years back. So now all the technologies are um, adding up 
to allow such experiences uh, to allow us to communicate in a very uh, in a very efficient way and um, for sure that is changing the game and i do believe that video is really a sweet spot today for sure you have biotech on the other side but video and streaming it's also a sweet spot yeah completely agree it's very exciting to, to, to you know through this whole culmination of everything to actually be at the epicenter of how we're you know, fundamentally, you know, living our lives. And as you say, you know, socializing, um, entertaining, consuming content, it's, um, it's fabulously exciting. Um, on a personal level, how have you found the almost complete, not just remote management, because I know you, you know, a lot of your team will be remote from you in terms of a, a you know, physical perspective already anyhow, but how have you found that almost complete remote management and complete remote working environment how has that affected you and your team over the last few months you know to be to be honest it has been quite seamless and uh, with the whole management team we have been quite surprised with our ability to become uh, remote workers across the board um, maybe it has been a bit more challenging for R&D people who are used to be in the same buildings on a daily basis and we have uh, five or six R&D centers around the world. But for all the other functions, it has been uh, extremely seamless. And, um, you know, I have been on the road for the last 10 or, or 12 years. So personally, and with the sales team and with the pre-sales team, and we are all used to work from different locations. We are all used to work for, uh, from, a, from our PC. And um, for, for this, it, it did not change a lot. I think the, the most challenged ones were our customers. Um, and specifically in my, in my world, uh, the telecom operators, the broadcasters, they have been really challenged to move their workforce um, to work from home because since decades, they are working in the office. They are used to to be to get. They are used to work together and collaborate physically. So uh, on top of that, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. The broadcasters and the empty arenas are, are, have changed the game a lot. So for us personally at MediaKine, it has been it has been easy. Fantastic. That's really um, that's really good to uh, to hear. And what would you say? Yeah, outside of you know, the, the team and the environment. What would you say has been one of the biggest challenges that you faced over the last nine or 10 months? The biggest challenge, um, you know, industry has been the broadcaster segment being hit by the pandemic and the live events being hit by the pandemic. So this has completely changed the landscape of, um, the entertainment services. Um, and if we take this uh, new era of empty arenas, um, this has impacted a lot, not only the, the entire public, but also the, the, the sports fan. But also it has impacted, uh, it has impacted everybody in the, in the society, meaning that empty arenas we are all experienced it, but it's also empty classroom. It's empty theaters, it's empty cinemas, it's empty conference centers. So 
not only the live contents from the stadium has disappeared from our screens, but any live contents from anywhere. And this is where I think the challenges is becoming an opportunity. And as I was saying earlier, streaming is becoming universal. It means that we are not only providers of broadcasters and uh, operators to provide video services at global scale, but we will become also providers or suppliers for the sports industry, for the content creators industry, for the rights holder industry, for the education, and so on and so forth. So the field of opportunities is much bigger than what it was uh, 18 months ago. Well, that is, um, that's really fantastic to hear. And I, I would totally agree. I think one of the things that's been really interesting about video is that you know, everyone has had to embrace it. And everyone whose revenue stream was affected by doing something live or in person has almost universally had to find a way to do it via video. You know, fitness classes, for example, you know, being a, a classic. So I think it's, I completely agree that the challenge is certainly uh, presenting huge opportunities as we go forward, which is fantastic. Um, and I guess brings us on to um, the next section, a bit more about the future. So uh, back to you, Will. Thank you. Um, what is sort of a two-part question here, Damien. What does the future hold for your customers and also for the end users? So it's clear that the end user, they have much more appetite to consume contents. Mm -hmm. There is much more pressure on our customers and on the suppliers like us to provide the right, the right solutions at scale. Mm -hmm. For tomorrow's world, low latency, high quality will be the, the drivers on top of the scale because I think the shift to streaming is sometimes a bit um, slowed down by some actors because of the fear of the scalability and the stability of the services compared to the broadcast world. And um, with the help of the big players in the cloud space, those challenges are starting to, they're already being addressed. Um, beside this, everything related to operational efficiencies, it's also key mm -hmm. to be able to, to go into the, in, into the future with some level of confidence yeah. and uh, to be able to monetize those services. But I think at the moment, what we see is really um, a shift in the, uh, a shift in the values and uh, what we can call the creative crossing. Mm -hmm. Basically what we see the, if, if you think about digital photos and uh, social medias, those two elements have created what we see today with the, with the Facebooks or the Instagrams. Sure, yeah. If you think of tomorrow, which is already here, the, cross, uh, the creative crossing of 5G and video, Mm. or cloud and streaming. Mm. So it's not only one element that makes the industry moving forward, it's, it's the combination of some elements mm. that makes the new, um, that makes the new shifts becoming more real. And that impacts the way the consumers is behaving or what the consumer expects from the providers worldwide. So having said that, we can see that the, the content supply chain is becoming shorter. 
it's becoming more transparent. Mm. And the underlying, the underlying trend is what we call the D2C, the direct to consumer, um, which impacts not only the sports federations or the sports club, but again, plenty of different uh, verticals. But what is very interesting in this is that as we, as we all shift to the cloud or the matrix, what we lose is this in-person interaction. If you are not able to go to a stadium, you are not able to interact with your neighbors that yeah. sit close to you. So how do we recreate this type of interactions for people sitting at home um, to be able to have this um, in-person experience? And I think that over the last years already, we have all been talking about immersive experience, personalized user experience. But in fact, we are now we realize that we are really far from what a user experience or what a hyper-personalized and immersive experience should be. Yeah. Because we are still isolated at home when we watch uh, when we watch uh, uh, a piece of content. Yeah. And even worse, our kids, they are watching another piece of content in their bedrooms. Yes. Uh, our wife, another piece of content uh, in another room. And so we end up alone in our sofa and we, still, we need to interact <laughs> with someone. So, yes. so having said that, it's um, everything that is related to, um, so the buzzword today is to say fan, uh, fan experience, but I yeah. think it's just uh, consumer experience or viewers experience, because mm. at some point we are all fans of uh, a service, right? Yeah. Some people are fan of uh, English Premier League, some others are fan of Netflix, but we are all fans of something. And, and to some extent, I would hope that all my customers would be a fan of media kind. So if you want customer loyalty, customer stickiness, mm. you need your customers to be fan of what you have to provide. Mm. So yes, in terms of user experience, this uh, socialization and gamification of the experience mm. is, uh, is for me what will, uh, what will drive the, the, the future of the media. And, and if I may, just another point here, um, to bridge this gap between the physical world and the digital world, I think VR and AR, uh, so virtual reality and augmented mm. reality mm. will help to bridge that gap. And uh, I do anticipate that those technologies will start to become mainstream mm. because it will help to create this experience that we have lost because of this hyper digitalization of uh, all the services. Yes. Yeah. I was going to ask about technology. So, so you, you've covered that perfectly, I think. And, and in terms of that interactivity and that uh, fan engagement, I think it's going to be, you know, reliant on those sorts of things, isn't it? Do you think that the traditional operators and broadcasters will still have a part to play in the future or will it all be OTT and, and social media content? Uh, that's a tricky one. Um, that's a tricky one because now we, we all realize that we live in a world of giants. Mm -hmm. And even the giant telcos or the giant broadcasters, they are not so giants when you compare them to the, to the real giants of this tech world. Sure. So, uh, but to some extent, they have this local relationship with the customers 
They have this billing relationship with the customers. If I if I refer uh, referring to telcos, and uh, they are also in the they are still in the living room, right? Mm. And they are still provide this access that we all need or required. So they still there is still a big play for telcos with 5G to become a super aggregator, not only of content and media services or entertainment services, but also to become aggregators for gaming services, for instance. Yeah. yeah. Because game because now the we can talk about it later, but the, the frontier between gaming and uh, and, and and content is uh, is blurring more and more, like mm. sports and esports. Mm. Um, so yes, telcos they have a big play, uh, a big game to play. Broadcasters, I think they have to reinvent themselves very quickly, which give them the opportunity to reassess, rechallenge the way they are uh, doing business and distributing their content. Mm. For sure, the the um, the frontier between content creation and distribution is also blurring. So yeah. this is what makes the direct to consumer um very um very important those days and and again as i said earlier they have been really hit the broadcasters have been really hit by by the pandemic mm -hmm. they have jumped into remote production with a lot of uh, intelligence agility adaptability yeah and um, to some extent the big lesson of 2020 is that it has been challenging but most of us, we have been able to adapt um, for the better yeah. of our own businesses, but also for the better of the consumers, uh, or the consumers' um, uh, services. Absolutely, and, and I, I completely agree. I think it would be. I really hope that some of those broadcasters, you know, heed your your words about you know adapting, because I think that for some of them, they've all played a big part in our lives, haven't they? And I think particularly around things like sport, but but then things like news. I think that it's so good to have you know things like the BBC and other you know national broadcasters, and then some of the other you know really great content that you get that maybe and I might be sounding a bit old here, but maybe isn't so available on social media. You still get that quality of content, don't you, from them? Which I think is a, is an important differentiator. And maybe if I can add here, um, the um, at MediaKind being cross segments addressing yeah. telecom operators yeah. and broadcasters gave us the opportunity to to compensate some uh, some decline in the broadcaster segments mm. with other segments. Mm. So, as a company, we have been less hit by the by the pandemic. Uh, because of having this end-to-end -end portfolio of, of products yeah. and being uh, cross segments. Because yeah. if I look at some uh, competitors who are, who are more uh, niche players, mm. I could see how they have been uh, hit with the, with the challenges in, in 2020. And hopefully we, um, we, are, uh, we are out of 2020 with, uh, with some uh, even double digits growth in some uh, sub-regions like Western Europe. Uh, Brilliant. So it's um, it's a very promising for for the future yeah. of MediaKind. Well, congratulations for that as well. Another great achievement. And it sounds like you are particularly, like you say, with your product portfolio, well placed for for the for the future. Um, thank you for all of those insights. I mean, and I appreciate as well. You know, you really sharing your your personal opinions. It's it's really well received. One thing we would all like to see more of in the industry is is diversity. What's your take on how the industry can encourage greater diversity? 
That's a crucial question because it leads to uh, um, diversity of, uh, of mindset, of thinking, of mm. uh, and how we take decisions uh, within a team. And, and maybe my answer will be very corporate, but this is the way I am. Uh, you know, I have been uh, very early in the very early stage uh, working for Microsoft and, and the Americans company, they have been really uh, um, engaging on these topics very early. Um, so I would say that for me, it's a, it's a given or it's granted. A company has to be diverse. It was the same at Ericsson. Uh, driving the EMEA business for media kind and having held some different positions at the at EME level or global level, I have, I have always been exposed to uh, collaborate and to work with diversity of gender, age, background, customers. So I, I am really, uh, I tend to think I am global. Um, and I guess for me, it's natural to have this uh, diversity in a team. Uh, today, you know, in, a, in EME only, out of 100 countries, we do business with 68 countries. Um, my team is spread across the region. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a given that the team has to be, has to be, uh, has to be diverse. And it's not, a, it's not only a question of gender. I think it's also a question of age. You have to mix junior and senior profiles. Um, it's a question of um, background as well. It's sometimes very good to onboard profiles that are not really um, dedicated or specialized to a specific to a specific industry, because this is where you start to learn and to expand your perspective. And if I refer to to my um, to my career, you know, when I moved from this uh, core business of Microsoft to the media slash gaming part of it. Uh, I have been given a chance to to move from uh, between those two worlds, and 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 it has been really uh, impactful, insightful, inspirational for me. And I also think that I had some uh, I had some influence over the rest of the team. So so for me, the diversity of background is maybe more important than the diversity of ethnic, gender. Um, because this is where you, you start to, to really mix the experiences, the opinions, and when you start to be more creative, because at the end, it's all about creativity and innovation. Fantastic, fantastic. And you, you mentioned um, yeah, Microsoft, and that was one of my questions, was you know, you've worked for <clears throat> two of the world's biggest corporations in Microsoft and Ericsson, um, both known for strong diversity and inclusion um, you know, programs. Um, what you know, one or two things do you think others could learn from their approach? I think it's maybe the, uh, I don't want to say the industrialization of it, but um, it's the ability to onboard fresh talent just after universities. It's the ability to foster cross-collaboration group, cross-geographical group. And it's, uh, it's also the expectation from the employer that everything should be smooth. Any collaboration has to work. As an employee, you don't have any other choice that make it work. Even if you talk to someone that 
as a different point of view. You have to make it work. You have to achieve your objectives. And, uh, and I think this is also, this is very important is that the employers has to judge or to measure the employees on its ability to adapt, not only to the industry, not only to the customer's base, but also to adapt to the internal diversity and to show and demonstrate that he or she has the ability to lead uh, teams, to lead colleagues, to inspire teams or colleagues and so on and so forth so that the whole, the entire company works and collaborates smoothly. And, uh, and for sure, reducing the, the conflicts and improving the, again, the, the creativity of, uh, of the teams. Yeah, completely agree. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to, uh, to ask you about is that often industries that have heavy niches, like video, for example, um, you know, when they're smaller and there's lots of smaller companies involved, they do often struggle with diversity and inclusion, particularly gender. You only have to walk the halls of IBC to see that. Um, why do you think that is so prevalent, particularly within the more niche areas? Um, maybe because um, when you are a student or, or just when you are looking for jobs, you start to uh, maybe you you start to look after the big brands, the big tech, the big companies. They have some level of attractiveness that maybe some smaller and uh, niche players yeah. do not have. And and the challenge for the niche players, and to some extent, we are niche players. Um, it's to sell the vision, to sell the mission of the company. So I think it's extremely important that the leaders of the company are able to articulate what is this vision and this mission. Mm -hmm. Because it's all about motivating the future employee to join. And um, it's, it's, it's about telling the right story and to include this story into something that is bigger than just the company itself. And basically it's to give some perspective to the future employee that making a step with you for several years will help him or help her to grow and maybe to step up in another role in other companies and move on on this uh, career trajectory. Yeah. So as always, it's always a question of perspective and giving horizon to people. And, um, and maybe now with this uh, uh, digitalization of, uh, of everything and as well as the recruitment, maybe uh, that, will, that might be easier for niche players to position them, themselves on social medias to promote the right stories to attract new talents. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Um, thank you very much. You know, it's a topic we could discuss for hours, but thank you very much for um, for your thoughts on there. Uh, back to Will. Thanks, John. So we, we've learned a lot about you, uh, Damian, but uh, our, our listeners are a, a curious bunch. So just in terms of what you like to do outside of work, what are your interests? What are your, what are your passions outside of work? Outside of work, um, my main hobby is uh, ski. Uh-huh. Skiing, so I love to ski. I was born, uh, I was born in Annecy, in France, so it's yeah. near the Alps. Yes, um, and I also spent a few years on the French Riviera. So 
I have two uh, I have two main activities: the skiing and swimming. Yeah. So um, it's really uh, <laughs> a bit antagonist. Uh, one is the mountains; the other one is uh, is on the sunny in sunny places. But um, yes, skiing for me is a way to uh, escape. Mm-hmm. To escape the the daily uh, daily work and daily pressure and all these traveling uh, uh, all these traveling um, requirements yeah. and uh, and yes for me being in the mountains you know fresh snow it doesn't have to be a sunny day it can be a snowy day I'm happy with that yeah I will hide in the forest between the trees <laughs> uh, I will be on my own or with few friends and that would be perfect. Yeah, wonderful. Yes, and just in just in France, do you ski, or have you skied elsewhere? Yes, I have. Um, um, we go sometimes to Italy. I've uh, yeah. been to Austria. I've uh, been to Canada and the US. Oh wow! And and in Canada, um, last year, just before just before the lockdown, mm-hmm. I was in um, I was in British Columbia, and uh, with uh, with a bunch of friends, we we did heli skiing. For oh. a week, how was wow. it? How was it? That was excellent. <laughs> it was excellent. It was the second edition. Um, in fact, this year we are planning to go to Japan because oh. uh, urban urban legend says that uh, the best fresh snow is in Japan. Yeah, uh, and also I have never been to Japan, but unfortunately we had to cancel this year. So maybe it will be next year. Yes. Well, you, you'll look forward to it even more. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> Very good. Well, clearly that, that's a that's a big passion, and uh, it, it certainly is one of that that John and I share, and we, and we are itching to get to those mountains as as well as you are. So uh, we'll probably see you there when they open up. Uh, yeah, can't give me a ring next time. Definitely, we'd love to. Thank you, thank you. Great stuff. Well, thank you for that, uh, Damien. And that now moves us on to the quick fire round. All right, very good. So, um, so we've got ten questions here. Uh, quick fire round. You have to give an answer, um, and so we'll kick off. I was hoping to change this first uh, question, um, but seeing as we've all gone back into a lockdown, I've I've got to ask it again this year. Um, hopefully, at some point, we'll uh, we'll change it. So, kicking off, first question: triumphed in lockdown or failed in lockdown? I would say triumphed. Fantastic. And given those results earlier, I would say that you definitely have. Uh, Opera or rock music? Rock music, without any hesitation. Okay. Now, mountain or beach? Both. You you have to choose (laughs) one. (laughs) So let's say mountains. All right. Ski or snowboard? Uh, Both as well, but ski. No, more ski. Okay, um, uh, a box set and a takeaway or fine dining? Fine dining sometimes. Okay, uh, do the cooking or do the washing up? I'll do the cooking. Uh, sports car. It's <laughs> weird for a French guy, but I don't do. I don't do <laughs> um, Sports car uh, or camper van? Um, more sports car. All right. Um, self-catering or all-inclusive? I'm more all-inclusive. Again, uh, I, I am. Uh, this part is a broken promise for a French guy. I do not put that <laughs> <laughs> uh, Plane or train? Um, plane. Uh, Apple or Microsoft? Guess what? 
Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> My religion, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and Netflix or Disney Plus? Uh, Netflix. All right. Very good. Thank you very much. Um, great to get more insight. And uh, just passing back to Will for our final question. Yes. Um, final question. What one piece of advice would you give someone entering the industry today? Um, to be prepared for fun and hard work. Um, to hard work, I, I would, I mean, hard work applies to any types of industries. Um, but in our industries, I think we need to, in the tech industries, not specifically in the media industries, but I think what is required at this, at this time is now uh, to be adaptable, mm. to be resilient, even if it's a buzzword, we have to be resilient at the end and to, and to uh, not only anticipate the trends, but also try to lead initiatives. So basically, I think that in today's world, it's easy to, to complain or to blame what mm. is not going right, but mm. what, what we need, what I need, around me is people who are taking specific topics and they are taking the ownership of it and um, they are leading by example on those specific initiatives. I think this is what we need um, because we see that this, this industry is very fragmented. Uh, so it's very uh, challenging to try to anticipate what are the future trends. So we need to, to make some bets Sometimes we need to fail. Um, sometimes we need to fail faster. It's even better. And uh, but this is what is required. It's to it's to not be shy to make things happen. And I think also it's to be brave, because we need to be brave. Not only uh, again, not only internally but externally with customers. Sometimes you need to take some stand. Um, and um, and and again, I will say. I don't think there is a specific for our industry. I think that would be advice for any types of uh, industry, for any newcomers. Fantastic. This is the world, this is the world of, uh, of work, of working. Completely Please. agree. Well, listen, thank you so much, Damien, for your time. We really, really appreciate you joining us on the show. And uh, we'll look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, John. Thank you very much, Will. I Thanks, very Damien. enjoyed this, uh, this interview. Thank you. Thank okay. you very thank much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people. For more information about NUCO, we can be found at www.neuco-group.com. You've been listening to The Tech That Connects Us.